Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Viva Las Vegas! Hey everybody, and welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It is the only podcast on the entire internet where we talk about every single Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order, one by one. I'm J.B. Clark. I'm joined as always by Rob Carmack. Rob, how is the world today? JB, I'm lamenting the fact that I, I have a confession to make here. I've okay. never been to Las Vegas. I haven't either. And um, oh my god, we're about to do the we're about to talk about a song about Las Vegas, and a hundred percent of the people in this conversation have never been to Las Vegas. I kind of don't have a desire to go. Well, I do. I mean, it sounds like people are out there viva-ing, and you know, that sounds exciting. I viva right here in Tupelo every day. Yes, you do. That's true. Yeah, I don't know, man. I. I I'm I'm fascinated by every American city that I've never visited, but Las Vegas is pretty low on the list, you know, like because there's no like I like going to cities where there's like a lot of history. Like I went yeah. to Boston last year and I really enjoyed that. But then like you think about Las Vegas, like the only real history you have in Las Vegas is if you're really interested in like the mob, you know what yeah. I mean? Like if you're if you're interested in like people who were murdered and never seen again, like yeah, Las Vegas is kind of a monument to that group of people. So yeah, or if you're like interested in like how corruption. Uh, in a city is allowed to thrive in in you know the 21st century uh you know yeah yeah anyway. sorry i told you i wasn't gonna do that uh, on this episode easy <laughs> yeah jamie jamie <laughs> keeps like drifting like effortlessly drifting into like really dark spaces which is i think kind of unlike you you tend to usually be pretty like on the on the lighter side of things i that- know oh, i'm I'm just passionate, and I get excited about the things I'm passionate about. So whenever I'm like, I get passionate and excited about darkness, and so you know, sure. Well, <clears throat> this song, JB, uh, is the song "Viva Las Vegas," and where it, it was released by Bruce Springsteen on the 2003 box set, the Essential Bruce Springsteen box set. So this was one of the there, there's basically it was like a greatest hits compilation, but it was three discs, and the third disc was. No, it, it wasn't like the standard greatest hit stuff. It, it was it tended to be like a lot of live tracks or a lot of stuff that Bruce recorded at one point or another, but never released. And somehow this song ended up on there, and now we're talking about it. And I, I guess it's no no accident that at least one Bruce or at least one Elvis Presley song got through because Bruce is an avowed Elvis Presley fan. Bruce Bruce big time deeply loves Elvis Presley. In fact, he wrote like a couple of songs about how how sad he was after Elvis Presley had died. So so it's no mystery that Bruce has done or. It's no surprise that Bruce would do at least one cover of, of an Elvis Presley song. I guess my question for you is, JB, is this the right Elvis Presley song for, for Bruce to have covered? Well, I think that it, it – I wouldn't call it a deep cut, but it's not like one of his you know biggest hits. So I think that's kind of a part of it. But it's a pretty um, well-known song. Like, you know, like there's like movies and stuff named after it, you know? For sure, for sure. Um, but like Elvis's like original recording of Viva Las Vegas wasn't, you know, sort of the uh, hopping rocking version that – I think that we think of in our heads and um, and it is a song that Bruce could could get the band to to really you know it's a song that he could really crank up to 11 I guess yeah and and maybe maybe that's it it just sort of falls into the same category as like a London Calling or any like any number of songs that like this is this is good for crowd work when you need it you know yeah like Elvis's version was pretty understated but it was still pretty rockabilly Mm -hmm. um and so, you know, it had like it had sort of the percussive um, rhythm that, that he needed it to have. So let's do some basic facts. So the song was written, the song Viva Las Vegas was written in 1963, not by Elvis Presley, but by Doc Pomus and Mort Schumann. 
but was very famously recorded that same year by Elvis Presley for the film Viva Las Vegas, starring Elvis Presley. That's right. Which was released in 1964. So this is often, as as are many songs, described as an Elvis, like, by, like often described as Elvis Presley songs, even though they weren't written by Elvis Presley, they were written by professional songwriters and then given to Elvis Presley to perform. Because Elvis right, was... As, yeah, that's... Yeah. A good chunk of his library. I mean, most of his library. And in fact, I, I looked it up today. Elvis Presley has nine songwriting credits, and that's it. Dang, I didn't realize it was that small. It's very low. Um, yeah, mo- but some boy, mo- was he a magnetic performer. Oh my gosh! Well, and that—that's the thing. That's why Elvis Presley is known. Like he's not known as a songwriter; he's known as a performer. But a lot of the songs that he performed are now sort of thought of as Elvis Presley songs, even though he didn't write almost any of them. We'll and we'll, we'll talk more about that later. We'll do a we'll do our top fives. Yeah. So a- after all of the Elvis references, which again we talked about how Bruce is a huge Elvis fan. After all the Elvis references in in Bruce's songs and in his live performance, I mean, you could argue that Bruce's live performance is in many ways, just a direct homage to who Elvis was on stage. Yeah, it's like Chuck Berry meets Elvis. That's what I want to do. Yeah. So after all these Elvis references, we're finally getting an Elvis Presley cover song. Kind of. Again, he didn't write it, but whatever. Um, But he made it famous. So this song was included. I I haven't thought about this before, but his sort of in-between song in a little bit, kind of like Elvis. His what? His sort of like in in concert banter is a little bit, sort of like that understated... You know, Elvis used to, you know, you know, uh, there's this clip of the Hawaii show that plays in the men's bathroom at the Elvis Presley Museum here on repeat. And he's like, uh, oh, man, I got from Hawaii. If I was in the front row, you know, I love that show. Well, and, yeah, he Bruce kind of does in his stage banner talk with kind of a, a southern affectation, which yeah. is funny because Bruce is not from the south. Bruce is from New Jersey. This is a well-established. This, that is a basic fact. And yet when he's on stage and he's like he, he's kind of like goofing around he tends to kind of veer into kind of a country sounding tone of voice and they both did this thing where they like they they delivered this just huge performance that is just the most you know sort of magnificent thing you've ever seen and then they get on the microphone and they talk like almost like they're shy yeah. and embarrassed to be talking in front of all these people which i think is what endeared both of them so much to their live audience well that yeah i mean and that's that's an interesting needle to thread where you have to both be relatable and larger than life yeah, you know, and and Bruce definitely is that, and I would argue that Elvis on on that continuum, Elvis is far far much farther over towards the larger than life. But because he did sort of had that southern affectation, and probably like joining the army was part of this too. It was like he he remained somewhat approachable, or at least he seemed that way. And he was like being in oh, movies did that for him a little bit too. But he what he was. I mean, like I I talk to people all the time. I mean, I live in the city where he was born. Like, I talk to people all the time. We just talk about, like, Elvis the person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, he very much was this sort of just, like, oh, shucks. You know, like, I just want to hang out guy. Like, he famously, if he couldn't sleep at night, he just wanted his band to, like, come and hang out with him. Um, and, and just, like, play music with him through the night. You know what I mean? Not like in a, you guys all have to be here, but, like, I need my friends around me kind of guy. Um, and that's, you know, I think that, I think that, that should, that that I think that that part of their onstage persona is like true to who they are. They just happen to be these like they happen to be able to tap into this thing, mm-hmm. um, this, this magical. It's their magic trick, you know. Yeah, that's that, exactly that's exactly what it is. So um, this song was the reason Bruce recorded this is it was included in a commemorative album called "The Last Temptation of Elvis," 
which was a it, it was a compilation our second cover song from a compilation it it was a collection of famous musicians performing Elvis covers and Bruce's version uh was was included on also in in addition to that it was also included on the soundtrack to the movie Honeymoon in Vegas starring Nicolas Cage, Sarah Jessica Parker and James Caan. So if you saw Honeymoon in Vegas and you heard Viva Las Vegas, for some reason they decided not to include the Elvis Presley version, but the Bruce Springsteen version of the Elvis Presley cover. So um which is that that movie came out I forget exactly what year, but sometime in the 90s. And it was during it was yeah. actually during the period of time when Bruce was providing a lot of music for film filmmakers like the 90s i mean you, you could very easily describe the 90s as bruce's like movie soundtrack phase you know like yeah. he, did, he did a lot of movie soundtracks so even though he didn't specifically record this song for that soundtrack he was he, like a lot of movies were using his stuff and um so that's that um other artists th- this song is widely covered and so other artists who have covered the song include, but are not limited to, Nina Hagen, ZZ Top, Sean Colvin. And by the way, Sean Colvin's version of the song was featured in the movie The Big Lebowski. Uh, it, the song was also covered by Wayne Newton, The Misfits, Dolly Parton, The Stray Cats, The Blues Brothers, yada, 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 yada. Like, just on and on and on it goes. Um, and Margaret, who was in the original film, Viva Las Vegas, recorded an alternate version of this song for the 2000 film, the Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. So Anne Margaret, who co-starred mm. with Elvis Presley in the original Viva Las Vegas, goes back into the movie, <laughs> like co-stars in the movie, The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas, and records this song under the pseudonym Anne Marg Rock. <laughs> I have such fond memories of those Flintstones movies, the live action ones, and I don't. Um... I don't think they, they're true, and I almost haven't gone back to rewatch them just because of that. <laughs> they are very bad. And, in fact, um, if, if you're interested in just hearing other more people talk about stuff, there's a there's a really good podcast called We Hate Movies. And they every week they talk about a movie that they hate uh, by based on, obviously, like as hinted by the title of the podcast. But they have an episode that I very recently listened to about the John Goodman Flintstones live action film. And it's it's a hilarious episode, but it really does help you sort of see like, oh wow, that movie was just complete trash, and uh, like, and you forget like all the famous people who were in it, like Kyle MacLachlan was in it, and um, Rick Moranis, you know, like like, <laughs> yeah, what? Anyway, so yeah, but the Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas, Vegas wasn't even that one. That was the prequel that they had to recast because they were supposed to be like younger versions of the Flintstones. That's the one where Stephen Baldwin plays a young Fred Flintstone. And oh. that's the one where they got Anne Margaret to be Anne Margrock in Viva Rock Vegas. So that yeah. happened. Um, and this song also was the theme song for the short-lived NBC animated series Father of the Pride, which took place in Las Vegas. Uh, and so Bruce Springsteen's most recent performance of the song was on August the 18th, 2002 in Las Vegas. And that was on the Rising oh. Tour. And yeah, that would make sense that he would play this song in Las Vegas. He's and, a, yeah, he's played this song two times in Las Vegas, and he's as a, he's total in total he's played the song seven times. But tw- yeah, that, that, that makes Vegas. sense. Yeah. So those are the basic facts of this song. I really don't have anything else. Like musically, this is a pretty straightforward cover. It's a little more like you said. It's a little more rock and roll, but it's 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 a it's a pretty serviceable Elvis Presley cover. Yeah. Uh, so musically, Springsteen's singing. Uh, he's playing guitar and is accompanied by. Uh, Jeff uh, Porcaro on drums, Bob Glob on bass, Ian McLaughlin on piano and organ, 
and was produced by Springsteen Landau and Plotkin and engineered by Toby Scott. Which, by the way, that personnel firmly puts the song in the Lucky Town Human Touch era. Yes. Um, so the uh, the Elvis version is uh, a lot more downplayed. It's got, you know, snare brush and picked out rockabilly guitar with a little bit of piano. Um, and there is a guitar solo at the very end that kind of fades out the song in the Elvis version. That's pretty great. Uh, but this Springsteen song has like a big old guitar solo at one at a minute 20. It's definitely more rock and roll. Um, one thing about the Elvis version, like all the music's panned right, except for some drums and all the vocal harmonies are panned left. It's weird to listen to in headphones. It's disorienting to listen to in headphones. Um, hmm. but the Bruce Springsteen version is, is pretty straightforward rock and roll. Uh, it's well mixed. Uh, uh, definitely very well mixed, uh, very well produced. Um, not nothing special. It's just like it's a you know you, it's it's done correctly. They they get an A. Um, so yeah, that's the music. Well, and it's like we talked about when we talked about Vigilante Man. There's two kinds of covers. There's the cover where you're just sort of like recreating the song as it is, and there's another cover where you're recreating the song as as if it were your song. And this is this is the former. This is this is Bruce pretty much doing. I mean, it, it's a it's a more electrified version of the Elvis version, but it's it's not it's not a big departure of of the you know like yeah, sonically like it's if it's Elvis unmistakable. Had, if Elvis had done this in in the nineties, um, it might have sounded like this. Well, and I mean, I I never saw Elvis perform live, but it would not surprise me at all to find out that Elvis performed it sounding more like the Bruce cover. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely kind of sounds like the TCB band could have done this. I mean, and if you've seen the TCB band back, anybody else. They, they have done this. Um, but yeah, they didn't in the original version. Bruce, Bruce really. Yeah. So but it is, it is sort of like Bruce doing this song and not Bruce uh, copying the song. But at the same time, it's, it's, there was at such different times that maybe, may, maybe it's a lot more on the nose than it seems. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. It's uh, definitely interesting. It's definitely interesting to think about though. Yeah, it is. Cause they're vastly different, but if you kind of break it down, they're really similar. But yeah, anyway, that's the music, man. There's some really great rockabilly guitar and straightforward drumming. Yeah, it's and fun. Billy Piano, the melodies are great. The chorus is, he just really, really livens it up. It's great. I mean, if I was in Las Vegas and I went to see Bruce Springsteen and he did this, it would be super fun. You know, like, yeah, I would we're all in Las Vegas. Like, why would you not, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I would never request this song, but like, if you played it, I wouldn't be mad at all. Sure. Well, and again, it makes sense in Las Vegas. Like, I don't know where else, I don't know where the other five locations were where he did the song. I, I didn't bother to look that up. But um, no. <laughs> like, like, do you go to like Uncasville, Connecticut, and be like, all right, maybe Las Vegas? Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Um, all right. Well, do do we need to talk about the lyrics? Is there anything here that's the worth discover. I mean, cause really the thing that makes this noteworthy is that Bruce is doing Elvis, right? Like, but- uh, yeah, let's talk Elvis instead. Okay. Um, uh, if you're yeah. good with that, there's not anything new lyrically. He I would rather, re- yeah, I, would, I would rather talk Elvis than the lyric, than try and break down the lyrics of this song. It's do you, basically it's a guy who goes to Las Vegas and he's got money and he wants to gamble. Do you want to do our top five Elvis songs? Yes, but I need to qualify it before I do. Um, okay. something I realized while I was making my list and I, I'm talking to a guy in Tupelo, Mississippi. I'm on a, I'm on a music podcast. I'm not a big Elvis fan. It's that's a, fine. It's I'm a, I'm a much less of a big Elvis fan since I moved to Tupelo. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Well, and and the thing is, like, and I, I've heard. I don't know if I I buy the the dichotomy. Like I've heard, I heard. I think it was 
Quentin Tarantino actually once like said that like everybody's either an Elvis person or a Beatles person. And if that dichotomy is true, I'm definitely a Beatles person. But I don't know if I buy that. Like I think it's possible to be mm-hmm. both. But but I think they, it's more Beatles, Rolling Stones. A lot of people make that distinction as well. Even though the Beatles, well, the thing is, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones are a lot more similar than the Beatles and Elvis. You know, like because yeah. Elvis was about like the performance was the biggest part of Elvis's thing, while the songwriting was the big part of the Beatles thing. And, and the thing is, and I'm never, I'm not totally sure why I never really fully connected with Elvis because I, I, I would like to, I, I, I want to like everything, but. Um, but he, he wasn't really a songwriter. So a lot yeah. of, his, so a lot of his work, and we mentioned that earlier, but a lot of his work is more interpretive than it is like creative. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying he wasn't creative. I'm saying like he wasn't creating. He was, he was interpreting versus creating. And so, well, a, a lot of what he did was surround himself with really good musicians. Yeah. And, and from, from like the breadbasket of American music. And he, um, he, he mashed it up all together. He made a lot of other people's music sort of accessible to the mainstream. And, and there's good things and bad things about that. And it is very appropriative, but at the same time, like Elvis, Elvis and I grow up in a place where he like, his privilege ended with him being like a white guy. He had the worst life growing up here. Yeah. Uh, his dad was in parchment. Uh, he lived, uh, in a like in the worst part of town, it was very poor. His house was very small. Um, his <laughs> like and and taken away from them, and you know, like it just. And his dad was in prison, skating a five dollar check. Uh, you know, like and and in prison for things that a lot of other people maybe just went to jail for a few nights for. Like, just he had a bad he had a bad childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as that kind of thing goes, he was not treated well in school and I'm actually coming to you one block away from, uh, the school he went to. So it was very much appropriative in that it took this, you know, other people's music specifically, uh, predominantly black people music in the South and, and made it mainstream for uh, a white audience. But it was also really Elvis playing the music of the people he was around growing up. Yeah. Um, well, and that, that's another thing, too. Like, I mean, it's not his fault, but it is interesting. It is telling that he took music that was being created by black people, and then he entered the world, like, the, the world of the, mu- the music business as a white guy who could replicate that pretty well, but was also acceptable to a white audience, and got super-duper yeah, famous. Yeah, and I mean, you know. And he was not contra- uh, un- uncontroversial on his own, but he had less to overcome than a black artist would have at that point. Right. Um, and had more access to make the music popular, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, well, and, and the thing, as I was sort of working at working this out and putting my list together and kind of doing research earlier today, was I, I couldn't, and it was totally by accident, but I, I ended up trying to compare Elvis and Chuck Berry because they were contemporaries, and they, like, they kind of broke around the same time. And the thing, because, like I said, Elvis was not a songwriter, and, and to, you know, in his defense, most performers were also, were not also songwriters at this time. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, um, like, and that, like, really, that was one of the things that changed with the Beatles and the Beach Boys. But a person who was a songwriter at exactly this, this same time was Chuck Berry. You know, and Chuck Berry was a brilliant songwriter. And mm-hmm. um, he, he was, a, again, he was a contemporary of Chuck Berry, or of Elvis. And he wrote most of it, if not all, of his own songs. And yet Elvis remains a much more celebrated American icon 
than Chuck Berry does. And I'm not saying Chuck Berry is ignored. I'm saying that compared to Elvis, like Elvis exists on most people's rock and roll, like Mount Rushmore, and I don't think Chuck Berry does. But Chuck Berry, well, we don't call Chuck Berry the king of rock and roll. That's right. Yeah, we don't call Chuck Berry the king of rock and roll. Uh, Chuck Berry, even though he very well, very well may have been. Well, Chuck Berry, I would argue, or Muddy Waters. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on how far back you want to go. But I mean, but but the thing is, like, Elvis may have popularized and rock and roll and made it um, acceptable to a, a mainstream slash white audience. But I would argue Chuck Berry invented rock and roll, and like. And, like, the song Maybelline he wrote, like, that's often referred to as, like, one of the first ever rock and roll songs. And, like, you look at, like, the list yeah. of songs that Chuck Berry wrote, and you're like, oh, my God. Like, the, like in, in the amount of time, like, other guys were writing songs and giving them to Elvis, Chuck Berry was writing better songs for himself. And, um, and yeah. I mean, and it, it may not be fair to compare one to the other, but it is interesting that Chuck Berry, Chuck Berry has a more impressive body of work than Elvis Presley does. But because of who they were and where they were, Elvis Presley got to be the king of rock. Like people to this day will travel to see the inside of Elvis Presley's house. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I talk to people from all over the world on a weekly basis here yeah. in town. His house Just is jog- a worldwide tourist trap. That's yeah, amazing. and it is it is not that impressive of a museum. Uh, though I will say, I go look at those pictures of him when he was a kid and a teen and and like twenty something before he was super famous. Before he had access to publicists and makeup and fancy cameras, maybe the most handsome person who's ever, like, most handsome man that's ever been made. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the, I mean, not only is he white, he's also incredibly good looking and he's really talented. Yeah. He's, he's really, like, he, he, he has that, like, star quality. He's very magnetic. People, people see him and they, they want to, they want to keep watching what he's doing. You know, like, he, he has all of that stuff. He has a lot of charisma. Um, and so, so just because he, he wasn't writing songs doesn't mean he was w- without talent. Um, right. It's just like when you look back now on his body of work, I I'm I'm less I'm underwhelmed by his body of work. I guess I should say. Now that said, there were some th- things that he did that like it, it's undeniable he was a great performer. And like when you go see a Bruce Springsteen show, if you're having a good time, it's because Elvis taught him how to do that. You know, like I'm absolutely like, we can't we can't take that away from him. But it, I would it, it's interesting though, th- and this is sort of where all the connective tissue sort of meets is Bruce Springsteen when he found out that Elvis Presley died was so sad that he wrote a song about how sad he was that Elvis Presley died. And in order to write that song, he based it on a song that was written by Chuck Berry. Yeah. Which, and, the, and the song is Johnny Bye Bye, obviously. So, um, I, I, like, so that sort of connects all three of these guys in a weird nexus of like singer-songwriter, I don't know, that's like, it's like sort of the Bermuda Triangle of like Bruce Springsteen like intera- intersecting with these two guys. So um, anyway, all that is to say... All that is a qualification for like my Elvis Presley, my my top five Elvis Presley songs list is probably not that impressive because I just I've never really engaged with Elvis's body of work as well as probably you have having like grown up where you are and, you know, knowing what you know. So, yeah, my mom is a huge Elvis fan and my mom's dad like tried to look like Elvis his entire life. Um, What's well, so that said? Like- they're big. They're like pretty big and just pretty like radio pop folks so yeah the songs that really i remember the most singing in our house are are uh a lot of them are on like the spotify top 10 most played <laughs> so i'm not i'm not bringing out a bunch of deep cuts but um yeah i, I do elvis has been a looming presence in my life mm. um f- for the whole thing 
Well, yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, living in Mississippi, I would imagine it's very difficult to escape that. Well, yeah, just like when I moved to Tupelo, uh, you know, there was there was some excitement. What is your number five? My number five is All Shook Up. And I picked that one specifically mm. because my other four were not written by Elvis. And so for the, for the number five spot, I specifically went to the list of the nine songs that he wrote that he has a songwriting credit on. And I wanted to pick one of those. And so All Shook Up is my number five. What about you? I, honest, I honestly don't even know which ones he has writing credits on. Uh, so that's cool. Mine is Blue Suede Shoes. He did not write that. He, yeah, I figured. Um, this is just one of the songs like as a kid that I, I just love singing. Um, actually got some blue suede shoes uh, at some point a little while back, and you know, it was, made me happy. Well, it's yeah. I mean, and again, like he's got there's so many songs that he he made famous, and that's that's definitely one like iconic, like forever, like like st- stuck in the ether of Americana forever and ever, and that's definitely one of them. Yeah. Give me uh, your four. My number four is sort of fits in that same sort of category. It's Heartbreak Hotel. Dude, number four for me is Heartbreak Hotel. No way! To, when I was a kid, I used to like get my hair wet and slick it over to the side. And then for whatever reason, I thought that if you wanted to do a performance of a song, you like did your whitey tidies. So like a three-year-old JB in like socks and whitey tidies with Tom Cruise across the floor and sing Heartbreak Hotel uh, to my parents like once a week. I would do a Heartbreak Hotel concert. That's a classic like sort of shake your hips and make your voice vibrate. Yeah, yeah. and like mumble into a broomstick candle. <laughs> and then, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of that. Like do the first part, oh, I'm being so lonely, or, and then like uh, get to the second verse and just be like, mur, 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 mur. yeah. <laughs> What's your number three? I'm All right, so number three, I, I couldn't decide here. My so my mom's dad, uh, and I was just like a very big presence in my life. Um, I, I just had some really great grandparents growing up, and uh, my mom and her dad were 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 uh, just incredibly close, and. Uh, he loved, love, love, love Elvis's gospel albums, and specifically how great they are. And he touched me. And yeah, he did have a whole gospel like phase, didn't he? Yeah, he had a couple of like really good gospel albums with some really good backing tracks. Uh, if you want to hear a really slow hymn, <laughs> check out some Elvis gospel records. Uh, but I think I'm gonna go with "He Touched Me." I, I kind of don't like the song "He Touched Me," uh, <laughs> just in general. Well, the title but, is is questionable yeah and the lyrics and the song and you know all of it but uh <laughs> but um when i hear that i think about uh i think about my grandfather um we called him grumpy uh i th- i think about him singing that um in church and um so i think he touched me is my is my uh, number three that's a good well, and I mean that that's that's sort of an interesting thing too that he did these god. I mean that's a whole sidetrack that we could go on. But one of the one of the issues with rock and roll early on was that like the older crowd, the church crowd, as it were, really was uncomfortable with all of rock and roll. Like Buddy Holly and um, the Big Bopper and Elvis, like all these guys. Yeah. Like one of the biggest points of resistance were like people who today would probably fall into the category of the religious right. But like you know like church folk, like Southern church folks were. Uh, we're, we're very, very skeptical of the entire movement of rock and roll. And so you take like the the person who has been proclaimed the king of rock and roll and now he's got gospel records. Like that's gotta create a lot of confusion in the minds of in the minds of the people who are like raging against what Elvis is doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um have you seen Walk Hard the Dewey Cox story? Have we talked about this before? You asked me that question at least once every three or four months. I have not. Well you need to use that 
that uh, fancy new sound system to watch it because it's a great <laughs> movie. Touche. But there's this great scene where like he's opening up for like the Big Bopper and and a bunch of other folks and and uh, Jack White plays Elvis. It's very funny. Um, in the extended version, Jack White just does Elvis for a really long time backstage and a bunch of karate. It's super funny. But um, but Dewey has a song about holding hands with someone. And the past, like the pastor of the local church comes out and he's like, I know what this song's about. You know who's got hands? The devil. And you know what he uses them for? <laughs> he uses them for holding. And uh, <laughs> I just love that. And that's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a very much like what was going on here. Yeah. And, and yeah, so I, I think part, like, I think, you know, sort of midway through his life, he found some like religious conviction. And also uh, his, his record company was just thrilled about that. Oh, sure. And they were like, yeah, we can open you up to everybody else now. Yeah, I mean... I mean, just, he, he learned how to play guitar in the church, so... Yeah. Just, yeah, expanding the audience is always is always a welcome yeah. move. Uh, my number three is Jailhouse Rock. All and right. That's a good one that I don't have on my list. It's a I, really good one. I really love that song. And I think lyrically, that song is really interesting. There's, there's a lot of really fun, like, play on words. There's a... It's... Um, especially for, like, how how old the song is like it really like the sensibility is really interesting and the it's it's really well constructed and i i enjoy it a lot i mean, bet my the version of the song that i like the most is probably from the blues brothers soundtrack and yeah. um it like the way that they they do that song is so much fun and um yeah i i i really really like that song what's your number two uh can't help fall in love with you i think it's my mom's favorite Elvis song That's a good uh, one. Me, me and my brothers like did a cover of it for her birthday a couple years ago and it's just a sweet song it is a sweet song um my number two is a little less conversation yeah which is i i realized like it was remixed and re-released like in the early 2000s and was used as the 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 theme song for the tv show las vegas starring a very young josh duhamel and james con who's that's the second time i've mentioned james con in this episode but uh i really like that it's 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 I, I don't know. It, it feels different. It's, it's a lot more like fast paced. It's it's fun. It's quick. You know, I like yeah. it. So um, what about number one? Uh, number one is the first Elvis song that I remember hearing and the song that I took like a 45 to uh, bring your favorite song to school day. And they had to like play, uh, get a, you know, make sure they had a 45 player to play it. Uh, Hound Dog. Oh, nice. Okay. I just sang that song all the time when I was a kid. Does that hold up for you? Like when you put it on today, do you do you still enjoy it? Yeah, I, I love it. That's a great song. Oh, nice. Uh, my number one is Suspicious Minds. Ooh, I almost put that on my list. I it's love song. that song. It's a, that is a good, very song. good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, almost almost none of those songs were written by Elvis Presley, but he did popularize them. And probably w- without him, we would probably not know any of these songs. So That's true. You yeah. know, so they're they're good songs, and we're, we're glad to have them. Um, but yeah, so that, that was, that, I mean, it, it was inevitable. I mean, obviously we knew that, uh, Viva Las Vegas was on this list when we first started. So we knew we were headed this way all, all along, but the number of times you encounter sort of like knowledge of Elvis in the work of Bruce, like that shows up a lot. And so it was, it was inevitable that we were going to have to talk about Elvis Springsteen or Elvis Springsteen. Oh my God. Elvis Presley and sort of like the, you know, so, sort of the legacy of, of who he was and how that kind of led led down the path that ultimately resulted in a Bruce Springsteen existing, you know, that, that was inevitable. We were going to have to do that at some point. So yep. It, that, at some point was today. So, yeah, man. Oh, did we rate Viva Las Vegas? 
We have not rated it yet. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, then how many uh, blackjack dealers would you give this song? Uh, I give this one three. Same. Three been, blackjack dealers. We have been totally in sync the last three episodes. Have you noticed that? Well, three episodes ago, we weren't the same, but we agreed sort of on the spectrum. Oh, was that uh, Valentine's, Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day. I was a three and a half. You were four. But oh, right. We right, kind right. of agreed on the spectrum there. Man, you so. got a good memory. Okay. Well, cool. Almost, almost in sync. Not totally, but very, very close. Like within a, within a hair, within a. You know, within one ace of spades away from being exactly the same. So. That's right. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And that does it for the Vs. We did it. We, we did, did it. the Vs. Yeah. So that didn't take too long. So next week we'll – or wait. Is it next week? Where, what day is yeah, it? Yeah, next week. No. No, no, no. Thursday. Friday. Yes. Thursday. Right. Today's Monday? Mm-hmm. Okay. Today's Monday. <laughs> okay. So later this week. We're going to enter into the W's, which is, there, there's more W's than there were U's and, and V's. So we'll, we'll spend some more time on the W's. But we're going to enter the W's with the song Wages of Sin. So we'll be talking about that. Not quite, this, it's all, that is a perfect follow-up to Leaving Las Vegas. Or Leaving, to Viva Las Vegas. So we'll, we'll do Viva Las Vegas, we'll enjoy ourselves, and then we'll go and we will say our penance and we'll deal with the, the aftermath with Wages of Sin. That's right. All right. Well, everybody, have a great week, and we will see you guys next time with Wages of Sin.